This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth From a Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 318. Today, we're hanging at Bob and AJ's Archery World talking what else, bow hunting whitetails, and reviewing a few of the new flagship bows for 2023. So stay tuned. up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you're doing well hope you are feeling fine it is a little bit of a uh, sad day this this past week as i kind of came to the realization 
that uh, my late season hunting is is likely over for the for the most part. I would say probably ninety percent sure that I'm not going to get another chance to uh, to make my way out. This past weekend had some obligations, um, so wasn't able to get out. And the next weekend or this upcoming weekend uh, have some some more obligations that I need to kind of uh, take care of. So not going to get out. And that you know at that point the statewide or the PA late season is kind of done at that point. So the North piece. You know, unfortunately, between the the freeze of the weather earlier, uh, you know, in December when I had some time off that made the roads impassable, um, and then just my personal um, you know, family uh, schedule kind of meant that I, you know, didn't make my way back up there uh, for, for late season like I was hoping to um, this year. I, the season here locally in the special regs unit is open a little bit longer, but still I have yet to, you know, locate a, a buck that I'd be, you know, willing to go out and, and chase, and I don't have any more doe tags to fill. Um, so it looks like my off season preparation and scouting will, um, start a lot sooner <laughs> for next year than I was really kind of anticipating. I've actually kind of started, started doing that. Um, you know, this past weekend, I actually started kind of fiddling with some gear, you know, doing the, the beginning, the check, I should say the beginning, the checklist of, you know, is there anything I'm going to replace this year? Uh, what needs fixed, updated, etc. Um, started doing that, thinking of making a couple changes to a few pieces, um, as I, as you, if you guys listen to the episode I did with uh, Curtis Zobel, we talked a lot about, or not a lot about, but we talked some about self-filming and stuff. And I'm going to make, I think, one more attempt this year, to, uh, this upcoming season to do that. And so I'm kind of looking at my gear uh, with that lens as to how do I reduce, you know, bulk, weight even further. What can I get rid of that I, I maybe sometimes use that, that stays in my pack, but you know, really isn't worth keeping in just to kind of reduce, you know, any fiddle factor or whatever. And so I'm kind of going through that uh, now trying to figure out how I'm going to kind of manage that, which is always kind of fun because I'm a little bit of a gear nerd. So I do, um, I do enjoy that stuff. And, you know, of course, you know, start thinking about, you know, any bows you might want to, you know, uh, trade in, update, you know, get a new bow, what, you know, what bows are out there, you know, what's, what's a good shooter for this year. And that's a lot of what we talk about. In this episode, if you haven't yet, I actually did a whole YouTube video uh, review on a bunch of flagship bows out at my buddy Bob and AJ's um, archery shop. Uh, I headed out there with my buddy Wilson. We shot a bunch of bows, made a video of it. Uh, we shot six uh, six different flagship bows. We talk about them during the course of this podcast. Uh, but if you want to see the actual reviews of them, you can head to YouTube, uh, to the Truth From The Stand YouTube channel and watch um, and watch that video. And then one last thing to kind of give you guys an update on before we jump into today's show is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny when you have like a hunting podcast, you ha- you'll have people, different people reach out to you that say, Hey, you know, I'd like to be part of the show or would like to, you know, I'll use air quotes, quote unquote, sponsor the show, or, or maybe, you know, have you mentioned the, uh, you know, X product in a, uh, you know, during the course of the podcast or whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, I'm very kind of selective. Uh, I don't want to bombard you guys with stuff that's irrelevant. Um, and so I try to keep things to, you know, only things that I use that I, that I believe in and just, and that are good people. And so that's why, you know, the partners that I have are the partners that I have, um, and that you don't see that list change very often. Um, but this past, uh, I guess fall, um, you know, a beer company reached out to me and, you know, as, as anybody else, I do enjoy a good beer, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm not so much invested in, you know, a craft brewery or whatever that, you know, uh, that I've sought out having a, a beer kind of, uh, partner, if you will. But this particular beer company reached out to me and it really kind of struck a chord with me because there was actually some history, um, there. And, and it's actually Genesee beer is a, a new partner of the show. So you'll hear them at the end of the, uh, um, 
given some props at the end of the at the end of the episode, and then of course during the course of the you know uh, hunting season and stuff, you'll likely see me post some stuff uh, about Gen- uh, about Genesee beer. Uh, but they're from New York, which is uh, super rad. So they're you know, they're regional, if if you will, uh, and they're super old uh, breweries, so they have history. You know, it's a U.S. beer. Um, but more importantly, the connection for me was when I was growing up, um, my uncle had a hunting camp called Budico and it wasn't far from his house. It was kind of just, you know, down this little dirt road from, from his house. And my uncle Randy and my uncle Rick and my dad used to go to that, that hunting camp. And I don't even know how it got its name. There was a small pond that was there that, and I, when I say pond, it's like, I use that term very loosely. Um, and it was called Budico pond and I have no clue why it was called that. Um, and so that became the Budico hunting camp. And the one thing that I remember as a kid growing up was like, I couldn't wait to be able to go to hunting camp to hang out with my dad, and my uncles. Um, you know, not that it was anything lavish. I mean, it was like a wood shack and there was an old, um, man, I don't even know what it was probably like sixties, like piece of shit travel trailer that was connected to it. And they had the wood shack kind of connected to the travel trailer through the sliding glass door. That was on the travel trailer. That was the door into the travel trailer. And these two pieces were, were connected an old wood stove in it. There was an old TV in it with rabbit ears that you could get like maybe two channels that were kind of fuzzy. And we would watch football games on those. And I, and I remember when I was a kid, like I couldn't wait till I got old enough to where my dad would start taking me uh, to the camp with, uh, with my uncles and then my, uh, my one uncle's buddy, Jimmy used to come up from, from Delaware sometimes and stay with them as well. Um, and nothing crazy ever went on there. It was just usually those four, you know, those four guys and they would sit around, they'd play cards and they would have some, some beverages as, as people do at hunting camp. But the one thing that I always remember is there was always two beverages that were constants. There was, there was Jenny's Jenny lights and, and my uncle Randy always had a bottle of George Dickel. And those were the staples of hunting camp. And so my earliest memories of hunting camp, uh, as far as beverages being consumed, was Genesee beer and George Dickel. And so when uh, Genesee actually reached out to me and said, hey, is there an opportunity that we could maybe do do some stuff with you? Um, my answer was yes, because I had this historical connection to them. I, I dig the beer. Um, Genesee Cream Ale, my buddy Chad, he suggests drinking it warm, so I'm going to have to give that a try. Uh, but there was a historical connection there with my my family and the first hunting camp that I ever knew that that was kind of a staple of that camp. So uh, you'll probably hear some stuff from Genesee over the course of time. I just want to kind of give you guys a heads up. Uh, if you're so inclined and you dig Genesee beer, uh, go ahead and pick some up. Uh, you know, of course, if you're of legal drinking age, 21 years or older, uh, and make sure you're drinking and, and, and enjoying it responsibly. And if you want to check out any of the stuff that they have going on, you can head to their head to their website as well and check out all the merch and stuff that they have as well. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. Killer show out at Bob and AJ's. We talk bows. We talk bow hunting. AJ talks a little bit about coming back from a tough miss, even though he's a, an accomplished competitive archer, sometimes even the good guys. Uh, make bad shots and we talk a little bit about that and do a bunch of gear review talk so with that we'll go ahead and jump into the show and as always thank you all for listening all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast today you're in for a treat because we are on location at my good buddy aj's shop bob and aj's it's my hometown shop and we have on a he used to be a regular before he went and left me I got my good buddy Wilson on from from Idaho. He's in for the holidays visiting family. What's going on, fellas? What's up, guys? I come back to Pennsylvania and have to just come to the archery shop. <laughs> I say, <laughs> Isaiah, my wife, they need me over there. So right. I got to go spend some time. Yeah, so, we miss you, buddy. Yeah. 
he said whenever he was coming in, he was like, uh, I was like, when are you getting in? He was telling me, he's like, uh, Christmas Eve, I think it was, you were getting in. Yeah. He's like, and I got to go straight to AJ's shop. <laughs> he's like, I think I'm going to, he's like, I think I'm going to set up some bows for him. <laughs> he's like, he's put me to work as soon as I get into town. So yeah. We had a packed schedule when we got in because flights, get, they canceled, I don't know how many flights over this holiday right. weekend. So we barely made it in. Then it was like Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And then we had a small break and I was like, see ya. Yeah. Now he, we're in the shop. Yeah. And he did get to kill some deer. I was like, man, he didn't, he didn't waste any time getting his Pennsylvania on. Like, yeah. I took my brother-in-law out. He's killed one deer and he said, I want to go get some meat. So we went out and killed a deer and someone texted me and said, leave our Pennsylvania deer alone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But you just wrapped up the Idaho. Is it done? Is your, are, is your elk season over now? Yep. We're done. Done. So sad. It's sad. But I hunted every season. We got an archer, early archery. We get a little gun season. We got a muzzleloader season. Then we have a late archery. But you did feel your first deer tag, Idaho deer tag. Yeah, that was super fun. That was like, I felt like I was a high school kid for a second because my buddy texted me and said, hey, let's go take our rifles for a walk. All right. So we just walked through the woods with rifles. And How many days do you think you had in the elk woods? Oh, I think I counted. It was like 36 days. Wow. 36 hunts. So like not full days because sometimes I would take like a half day and hunt, but yeah, lot, the, lots of overnights yeah, and by the, myself. And, and the then, last one, you were like literally snowshoeing the last couple. Yeah. 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 The, well, I went to check a trail camera and I got like that. I got a cold and so I was pretty sick and I got the snowshoes and I couldn't. <laughs> I was like halfway to the trail camera. I turned around and I went back to my truck because I was like, I can't make it. <laughs> I'm out of shape. It was like 10 degrees. Your Sherpa feet didn't help you out that day? No. My feet felt fine, but. I call them Sherpa feet because people listening, I don't think we even mentioned it when we did the podcast when we were actually on the mountain in the Elk Woods. But Wilson descended, I don't even know how many vertical feet it is to get down, but it's like a two mile plus walk yeah. down that trail with a 60 pound pack in Birkenstock sandals and bare feet <laughs> and bare feet. That's good for your ankles. Yeah. Yeah. They feel fine. They feel fine. Yeah. Well, wait till you're my age. They won't feel fine anymore. You keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. I got bad lungs, but my toes are, your toes are rock toes solid. of terror. <laughs> right. Nice. How was your season, AJ, man? I know whenever I, I mean, the last time you and I actually saw each other was right before I was actually leaving to go to Wilson's. Right. And then the hunting season gets in the way. So this is the first time I've been able to get out to the shop since then. But I know you were, you had some new stuff going on in Pennsylvania, and then you and I were texting, I think, right after I got back from Kansas. You were in Ohio at that point. Yeah. So how was, how was PA? Uh, how, was that, how was that new piece? Like, the new piece, uh, it fell through. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, we opted out of the lease. Oh, okay. Uh, the property looked phenomenal. Um, it just wasn't what we paid for. Right. They were working, and there was uh, a lot of active work going okay. on, so we had to kind of opt out of that. So I went from all my attention being focused there to realizing this isn't happening and had to go to plan B, C, and D, and so right. forth. Um, but PA, I, I can't complain. I, um, you know, everybody kind of thinks I just pick up a bow, walk out in the woods, and shoot a giant buck. Well, I had two really great encounters this year. I let two arrows go, and I did not retrieve either one of those deer. Damn. Uh, so that was kind of tough. So I was one of those people. I was like, Asia, pick up his bow, just walks outside. Yeah. And like they fall over <laughs> for him. <laughs> um, but I did shoot a handful of does. I got a 
couple of days in at Maryland mm-hmm. and I sh- killed a bunch of deer down there. So. How did those hunts play out with those two, two in PA? I mean, were those deer that you were aware of or were they just more of like good spots that you kind of knew that you needed to be in? The one time? deer I knew of quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I got them patterned, I sat on them and he rolled right in. Really? I mean, I couldn't have asked for better opportunity right what what uh what week was that or was that that was early that was the first week of october okay wow. and then right at halloween i was hunting another private property and honestly it was one of those sets where you just felt like it was going to be a disaster i went into these woods for the first time with my climber mm-hmm. and i literally had to climb three different trees until i could get into a tree that i could get high enough in right and have a little bit of visibility and I, I, I was, I was still sweating. I didn't, even, <laughs> and I'm screwing in my bow hook, and I look over, and here's this big nine pointer coming right out of the thicket. And right. again, perfect opportunity, fourteen yards, dead broadside, and I shouldered him. Man, now you might have not been sweating so much if I can get you in a saddle. <laughs> I think I'd be sweating more. But if anyone's seen AJ use a climber, he can climb. Anything. Yeah. Pretty much one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. These yeah. woods, the trees were just all huge. Really? And I have extra large straps, so in my brain, I f- always feel like, ah, I'll be able to get up there. And here, right. I'm just strapped to a tree, sitting on my climber, and I can't even budge the platform. Oh, jeez. So, it was kind of, yeah. okay, let's take it all apart and go try another right. one. So, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to relive bad wounds necessarily, <laughs> but I think it's always a good opportunity, especially like on the podcast and stuff like that you know, when I'm talking to guys who are, you know, cause everyone goes through situations where they either struggle with their shot or they're a good shot and they hit a deer bad or for whatever reason, you know what I mean? And you're a guy who's shot competitively, an accomplished shooter, a great archer, great hunter. And sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't work out. So like what kind of happened in that shot? Like, I'm sure you like, you thought about it afterwards. It's like, well, this, this is the mistake I made or whatever it was. I, Honestly, I, I went through this about five years ago, and I had to get away from my index finger release, which mm-hmm. I tend to shoot very well. Mm-hmm. It's just what I've always shot with. It's what I'm comfortable with. Even when you shot competitively, that's what you Yeah. Yeah. Um, and about five years ago, I had to put that away, and I hunted with a hinge-style release. Mm-hmm. And that did help me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened this year with those two situations where I think I was just so overconfident that I just drew, didn't focus on my shot, didn't mm-hmm. focus on aiming, and just let muscle memory kick in, right? Like it kind of should, right? But I just lost my focus in the excitement. I mean, you know, I'm I'll be the first to admit I crumble, right. I completely crumble when I see bone that I know I'm going to shoot. I can't <laughs> breathe. I, I mean, my heart right. is in my my throat, which is crazy to think of because you look around the shop here and it's like big deer, big deer, big deer, big deer, big yeah. deer. You know what I mean? I, I mean, like, I guess if I didn't get that feeling to this day, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, right, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I it was just one of those things where I think I was just too <clears throat> overconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, a few days after. My second wound in Pennsylvania, I went down to Maryland mm-hmm. and uh, just took my time on every shot opportunity I was that came in front of me. Right. And I talked myself through the shot and I pinwheeled yeah. every deer, perfect shots. I mean, I watched them all crash and burn. Right. Um, so it was just, you know, I just had to slow myself down. Right. 
what's so what's your shot sequence like i know everyone's a little bit different it's interesting because i think i think maybe new archers or newer archers think that you know they get to a point and they don't have to have that shot sequence anymore right like it right. kind of goes by the wayside and they kind of go to the muscle like the memory aspect right. of it right. right and it's interesting a guy who's been doing it as long as you still talks himself through that's oh, just a good absolutely. that's just a point for like people who are newer at it. it's like that doesn't ever stop like you should no. just always kind of talk so what's that sequence for you <laughs> Do you say like some dirty words in there? (laughs) (laughs) On the bad shots, I can't say there was much of a shot sequence. Right. Um, But whenever you're breaking uh, good and like, and you have your sequence dialed in, like, I mean, I I just have to talk to myself. I talk, I I tell myself to slow down. I Mm -hmm. tell myself to aim, get the pin where you need it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and, you know, pull through that shot. Right. Um, The one deer in Pennsylvania that I shouldered, he's alive and well. Um, honestly, I don't even think I aimed. I, mm. I know I drew the bow mm-hmm. and that's all I remember. Right. I don't remember actually aiming on that deer, unfortunately. Right. Um, but it, yeah, so I, you know, I get, I think almost overconfident with my equipment. Mm-hmm. I shoot daily. I shoot all the time. Yeah. I shoot far just to make the close shots easy. Right. Um, and I think it was just honestly being overconfident. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever been overconfident, you know, with, with my book, cause I don't shoot nearly as much as you and you, you've shot, you know, competitively and I've never, you know, have never done that. Um, but I know what you're talking about where it's like, I feel like some of the shots that I've taken that didn't work out, whether it was a clean miss or a wound or whatever, you know, um, I, I think back to it and I'm like, I don't remember actually you know, like when I'm target shooting and I'm practicing, it's like I have a shot sequence and I'll pick out like a spot on the target, like the aim small, miss small. And I'm right. like, and I try to focus on that. I don't try to hold the pin. I let it hover, let it do what it's going to do. You yeah. know what I mean? But I'm just looking at that one thing Yeah. and I'm good. And it's like you get into the deer woods and it's like so much is going on or the elk woods or whatever woods it is that you're in that you're, that you're bow hunting. And sometimes you just kind of lose <clears throat> that, lose that focus. You know, yeah. it's hard to kind of retain right. that, you know, whenever yeah. you're in that moment, but yeah, I felt it in the elk woods because I drew my bow quite a few times on elk. Mm-hmm. And the one time, you know, he came in and the cow came behind me in blue and then everything ran away. And I realized like I had my bow anchored, like almost coming through my eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> because every, it, in the whitetail woods, you see this deer coming in, you know, okay, it's going to go behind this bush or tree and I'm going to draw. And yeah, I feel like I had a lot more time. And then the elk woods, it was like, draw right now and i would you're just looking at what's happening with the elk and not realizing what's happening with your bow and the one time literally my string is like coming across the top of my nose like the between my eyeball and my nose and i was like i would have shot and and yeah not even been close i mean at the end of the day we're doing this because we get excited you know yeah i mean otherwise why else would we do everything we do. Why else go out in like 20 degree it's, weather? It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Ohio, I sat literally almost 60 hours in a tree stand wow. and we were anywhere from 18 degrees. I think the warmest it got was 28. Mm-hmm. I was in snow, sleet and rain and I killed a buck out there the last day. Mm-hmm. And it was so at that point it was three o'clock and I had been in the tree since an hour before daylight. Right. And I was covered in snow throughout the day, covered in ice throughout the day. When that shot came, my pin was stuck like low on his like belly line, mm-hmm. and I could not pick it up. 
I'm like, come on, man, higher, 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 higher. And finally, I got it to where I felt like I was high enough and my shot started to break down a little bit and I fired and I, I ended up killing the deer, but it wasn't the prettiest shot in the world. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it it's, you know, and I was shaking so bad. Right. Now, do you, do you think, <laughs> so, was, it, was it the weather, do you think, in part? or was I think it the I was frozen. Frozen? Yeah. Like, I literally yeah. had two different layers of, like, the warmest Sika gear on that you can possibly buy. Right. Had both of those on, plus under layers. And I got the full draw, and, of course, my elbows, my back <clears> elbows <throat> hitting a tree. And, like, right. nothing was working the way I wanted it to work. And, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. yeah. It's uh, those are the worst. Like I pref- I mean, I like to hunt. Not I like to hunt when the weather's right for the time of year. You know, I mean, like October yeah. when you get like a cold front or whatever. When I still don't have to be all layered up. You know what I mean? Because that's the one thing that I, you know, I'll admit that I don't practice enough in the summer. Because who wants to be out in like right. a big bulky jacket in the, in your yard or whatever shooting? Yeah, in July or August just to get used to like having the layers on whenever it gets when it finally gets cold right. out four months from now. Right. You know what I mean? But it's probably something we should all all do because that's ultimately what ends up happening, right? It's like yeah. And if you're gonna elk hunt with me in September, you gotta practice just in your underwear. (laughs) Totally, because that was brutally hot. It was like 92 or 90. I think it was like 96 one day. Yeah, there were days we were wearing shorts, like when we were just glassing, like we were wearing shorts (laughs) to glassing points and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. But the reason why we're actually at Bob and AJ's is catch up with uh, with AJ, but and Wilson, but is also we came out and we shot a bunch of bows. So the video will either be out now or it'll be coming out shortly on the YouTube channel where we reviewed a bunch of different bows just to kind of check out flagship bows this year and see how they compare to things that we've shot in the past, things we've shot last year and just, you know, see what changes they've, they've made. So wanted to kind of do a rundown of like the things that we shot, tell you a little bit about how Wilson and I feel about them just based on our, our experience shooting those uh, today. And then also just get some of the straight dope from, from AJ, just from the, like the, the actual mechanics of the bow, anything that has changed, um, and just things of note, just generally speaking. So I'll kick it off first, and we're going to start with the Hoyt RX-7, which, you know, I think, Wilson, you mentioned when we were talking on the video that, you know, one of the things you liked about what Hoyt did was that they just basically came out and said, look, this bow's a banger, and everyone has loved it, and so we didn't really change a whole lot on it, and we have a huge demand for it, so have at it kind of thing, right? And and it's an awesome shooting bow. That's what I shot for the past year. I think three of us mm-hmm. shot that this past this yeah. past year. So yeah, and I'm not a, like me, what, and you. It's like we're not affiliated with anybody. No. No. And so, one thing that frustrated me while I was working at an archery shop, and now I do archery stuff at my house in Idaho, is when a company would come out with the same bow, just different. Different letter on Different, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciated that Hoyt was like, because this is my first year shooting a Hoyt, they said, hey, this bow rocks, and everybody loves it. Yeah. yeah. So here it is again. Yeah. And AJ turned us both onto it, because you and I have both been Matthews guys. Yeah, and AJ called me and was like, you got to shoot this bow. Yeah. And you've even been a Matthews guy, kind of yeah. historically, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I shot Elite for a lot of years, um, and then I did shoot a number of Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um. Honestly, I was always kind of anti Hoyt as a shop owner. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to to be able to sell bows that were easy bows to shoot, mm-hmm. uh, forgiving bows to shoot. Right. Uh, Hoyt 
historically has been more of a aggressive bow, more of an aggressive draw cycle, a very short valley. I mean, kind of, you know, if you relax a little bit at full draw, just wants to rip your shoulder out. Right. Um, where last year when we started with Hoyt, they came out with a whole new platform and redesigned that bow top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, they built a phenomenal bow. I mean, they, they stepped out of their box that they were kind of in. If In my opinion, they're sort of building the same bow over and over. Right. Um, and then they just redesigned everything from yeah. the riser to the cam to the grip to the grip angle. I mean, you name it, they rebuilt it. Right. And now I can take a 70-pound weight at full draw and hold it out in front of me. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the 70-pounders that we sold last year Guys are coming back within weeks and ordering 80-pound limbs. Right. Just because they're so smooth to draw. Yeah. You know. When and, on, in previous years, we've put 80-pound limbs on other brand bows. And guys can't And I, can, I can't even, I yeah. hardly get it back. Yeah. So, that's saying a lot. Yeah, that's the 70-pound the hoist, because that's what mine is, too. It's the easiest pull in 70-pound, because I actually, on my Matthews previously, I actually went down, I think I was shooting like 62 or something like right. that. And you were like, pull this bow back. And I was like, well, what is it? And you were like, it's set at 70. And I was like, man, that's going to be a stiff pull. And you're like, just just try it. And yeah. I, I was able to actually pull that Hoyt easier than I was able to pull my 62-pound math. Yeah. It's, you know? I mean, they made a really amazing cam, mm-hmm. um, the HBX <clears throat> Pro cam. I mean, it's just so smooth. It's fast. It's, right. it's I mean, it's, there's no jump to it. I it mean, which is the thing that shocked me because I had shot all the Hoyts I had shot previously, to your point, I just wasn't a big big fan of them like they had a lot of hand shock they felt like they wanted right. to jump out of my hand yep. because they were so light you mm-hmm. know they weren't they weren't very dead they had that like what you like to call that like carbon thump yeah. you know what i mean and this bow had none of that no. and that's kind of what blew me away because it was actually more dead in my hand than my heavy matthews was yeah you know and so for it to have you know less material less weight and completely bare and be as dead as my rigged out matthews from the right. year before yeah you know it was kind of was saying something to me yeah but, you know, that's, of course, a carbon, a carbon fiber. And we'll just jump to the ar- other carbon fiber, which was the Elite era, right? That mm-hmm. was, that's the other carbon fiber that, yep, we, sh- that we shot. Elite first. <laughs> Elite. The Elite. The Elite era. <laughs> but, yeah, so that one, we shot that one. Um, I don't think Wilson shot that one. No, I shot the. You did. Yeah, I shot the oh, Elite. You? Oh, you the did? Darton, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm, sometimes I'm a bad person on bow reviews because I like all. I like archery so much that I could find something good about every bow I shoot. Right. And they are all good. And they're all good. Yeah, because we're yeah. talking about all flagship bows here, so it's not like, like... I shot the new bear bows, and you don't carry bear. No. And no. I was like, I can find something. I was like, this is a great shooting bow. Right. right. Yeah. It's just, there's different things. I felt like the Hoyt checked off more boxes for me. Right. But the Elite Era, all those things, I could find... Like, if you were like, this is your bow to shoot, I'd find something to love about it, and I would shoot right. it. Yeah, no. I mean, for sure. There, any one of the bows that we shot today, I could take hunting with me next year, and I'd feel I'd feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't like one that would be like, I can't shoot this thing. You know, yeah. And nobody's it, going backwards. Everybody's right. going forward, and some companies are going forward in small steps. Other companies are going forward in bigger steps. Right. Whether the consumer likes it or not, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, th- th- that's kind of the cool thing is there's something for everybody. Right. There's a price point that fits everybody, and all the bows are good. Right. You yeah. Know. So the the elite era, <laughs> era, <laughs> the elite era, um, carbon bow, 
31 and a quarter inches, I think, right? What was the brace height on that one? That's seven and a seven. quarter. So all the bows that we shot were right around six for the most part, except for that they one. They were right? all, well, your RX-7, six and a quarter. Six and a quarter. So a uh, little bigger brace height on this one. The the draw cycle on 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 the Elite was was smooth. Um, there was just a little hump when you got to the, when you got to the back. Not a big one, not not super noticeable, but it was it, it was pretty smooth. But you did notice those things that you would probably get classically with a carbon fiber fiber bow, right? There was just a little bit more hand hand shock yeah. in it. There was a little bit more of that a little bit more of that thump. Still a good shooting bow, but when you start getting into like the nitty gritty, like you know when you're comparing flagship bows, like you're really kind of splitting the hairs, yeah. right? Because they all kind of do right. something a little bit different. <clears throat> But uh, that was a really good, uh, a really good shooting bow. But to I think Wilson's point, it probably just wouldn't check quite as many of the boxes for me as something that you know, hitting every kind of mark for me. And draw cycle is one of my biggest boxes because when you're drawing on an animal, mm-hmm. you don't want anything to take your focus away from the animal, right? Mm-hmm. So when you draw a bow, that when you get into your back wall and your bow's moving around, I don't care how strong you are or how steady mm-hmm. you are. Like if you dump into that back wall and your bow's shaking your pins all over the place and now you have to refocus yourself to get mm-hmm. anchored. And that's what, like, that's why I liked Matthews a lot because I was so comfortable with that draw right. cycle. But in, but, but whenever you I've watch me shoot that <laughs> to different bows, yeah. like the RX seven, I can look at a point on the wall and draw that bow right to my anchor point, And that pin is rock solid. Yeah. And I don't have to like Reese. Cause you hear guys say, well, I had to draw and then settle my pin, but the RX seven, my pin is settled when I come to anchor, right? Like the bow, the rise is not going back and forth. Yeah. Your string's not shaking on your face. It was just a solid settle into your back wall. And that's just the difference. Like what you were saying, like there's something for everybody. It's just a matter of what you, what you you like. And we have a, you know, we have a buddy who shoots elite and he, I could shoot his elite and I'm like, man, I don't know. I can't get that to be a settle, settle in my pin. Right. But when he draws, it's solid. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's, we were talking about it earlier. For me, it's, the hand shock is what I don't like. Like I can deal with the dump, you know, into the back wall or whatever. What I don't want, because my where I break my concentration that I've noticed shooting over the years is actually after release the arrow, having a tendency of like wanting to drop my hand, right, and then maybe not pick up my arrow. And so if I have hand shock, it almost it's not like it frightens me, but it's just like oh, you know what I mean. And I lose track of where my arrow is going for like a second. And I, and for me, I have to watch my arrow. Like right. I try to watch it, like hit exactly where I was aiming, and that's right. when I know that I've concentrated, you know, and found yeah. a spot or whatever. So for me, it's always hand shot because that's the part that distracts me the most. But what did you think of the, how do you feel about the elites there, AJ? Or the, uh, the, the era, the era? <laughs> I mean, they, they did something completely different this year, which was kind of put out a speed bow. Mm-hmm. Um, where elite has never been known for speed. They've been known for shootability. Mm-hmm. So the cam is much, much more aggressive than elite has ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, which some people are going to like and some people aren't. Mm-hmm. Your hardcore elite guys, I feel, aren't going to like the Omnia or the Error. Right, and the Omnia is the is the uh, aluminum one. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same cam on both bow. Mm-hmm. Um, the one's just a carbon riser, the other one's your aluminum riser. Right. Um, but it, it's, I mean, the, the they did a great job with vibration mm-hmm. on the aluminum bow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is dead. Yeah. It's quiet. Um. But at your longer draw lengths, you feel that cam. Yeah. You know, there's sure. no question about it. Yeah. Um, but no, they put out a really nice bow. Yeah. I was just going to say with the um, aluminum one, if you're, if you like the way, 
you know, if you if you like the way the carbon uh, elite shoots, but you maybe don't like the hand shocker, that's something that's like a deal breaker for you, like yeah. it is for me. The aluminum one would, be, would basically be the same kind of yeah. thing, but with but but more dead in hand. It's, it's just a little bit Yeah, it's very dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Well, we'll move to we'll talk about the Hoyt, the other Hoyt that we shot, which was the Hoyt VTM thirty one. Yeah. I really like that one. It feels a lot like the RX seven. It's the same build basically. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's the HBX Pro Cam, so it's mm-hmm. the same cam, same string cable system. Um, they redesigned the aluminum riser a little bit this year from mm-hmm. last year. Um, some of the cutouts are slightly different, but what if you looked really close, the bridging is heavier and wider and thicker mm-hmm. on the upper part of the riser. So the reason they did that was to help with vibration. Mm-hmm. So they took a bow, which the Ventum Pro from last year, that was very dead in your hand mm-hmm. and actually killed that a little bit more. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the riser is absolutely different from last year's bow. The mm-hmm. grip's a little bit different. Um, and they, they, again, it's just, I mean, it's that HBX Pro Camp, so it's right. just silky smooth. Right. If, yeah, so I think in shooting that, what I wrote down was like dead in hand, you know, and then super, just super smooth overall draw. Like that's the one thing I love about the Hoyts, like Wilson was saying earlier, is that, you know, Matthews, you'll often get like light at the front, then it's like backloaded and you hit that hump, right? Yeah. You kind of drop into the, to the back wall with the Hoyts, both of them, the, whether it was the RX-7 or the VTM, it was like you almost got a consistent load and it got just a little heavier as you kind of went, but it was never like a big jump to where you could just no. kind of draw smooth all the way back. And I would say if you're a person who has shot the RX-7 and you really liked it, but maybe you're not in the carbon, uh, like carbon price range or whatever, the VTM is like the one that I would kind of move to with, yeah. with the quickness because you're going to get a lot of the same stuff that you're looking for just in an aluminum riser and just a super shootable bow. Yeah, absolutely. For a, And from a bow text. I like that they put the hole in the riser for your, <laughs> for your. It's all about you, Wilson. For your rest, because <laughs> like on the carbon bows, your whether it's limb driven or cable driven, your your cable from your your drop your away, drop cord. away, yeah, it's your riser. Yeah, it's always wrapped around that bridge. Yeah. so it is kind of cool they put that little slot in there now. It's like a silly thing they changed that I'm like, oh, I like that, <laughs> right. <laughs> The uh, and so the next one, and I'm not doing these necessarily in order and not in rank. I'll, I'll give you my personal ranking at the end as as to how I felt about each of them. Um, but the next one we'll talk about is the Darton Prelude 32, and this one to me was kind of like the dark horse, right? So Darton, and we we were talking about this as we were setting up to like record the videos and the, and the podcast and stuff, is that it's one of those, you know, bow companies that is so steeped in like archery history. Right, mm-hmm. like that, you're not shooting a bow out on the market that Darton hasn't influenced in some way, shape, or form yeah. for the, for the most part, right? And yet, you don't hear a lot about a, about them. And whenever you start thinking about flagship model bows, they, they don't often kind of pop up in people's right. people's minds. And I, and I'm guilty of that as well. And so we had one of those set up. It's a speed bow, um, but and I wasn't quite sure what to expect because I honestly I don't think I've ever shot a Darton. So yeah. I was kind of like, eh, it's kind of a wild card. I'm not sure like how it's going to feel. Um, and man, when I picked it up and drew it back, it was probably out of all the bows we shot, probably this, especially for a speed bow, probably the smoothest drawing bow that we picked up today. Super dead in hand. Yep. 
the back wall was super solid. When you got it back for a speedboat, sometimes a speedboat will want to, like, you got to pay attention because it might want to yeah. get off on you. You know what I mean? And this thing was just, was rock solid, man. And yeah. I was, I left being pleasantly surprised and probably most surprised at that one. And I'll give my rankings at the end that that one made the move that it did and, and kind of beat out some of the other bows that I've yeah. historically liked. Yeah. Now, the Darton's come, I, so Randy Kitts from Black Eagle bought the company, um, I believe it was two years ago. And he's putting a lot of effort into building up a, a shooting team right now and just kind of getting the name back out there, redesigning the bows. I mean, even from the logos that used to be on a bow, it's now completely different. Um, it's, and, and last year he had a bow, this, this, the Spectre E, mm -hmm. and he redesigned that bow. Um, so that was a bow that existed that he got his hands on, redid everything on. Mm -hmm. And that was a great bow. I, I loved it. The only thing with the Spectre, it wasn't a super fast bow, which I don't really care. Um, but it, it, it hung right there with all the other flagships, just a couple feet per second slower. So this year, he kind of took that Spectre E and revamped it again and put some speed into it. Right. So now the cam is much more aggressive than the Spectre. But for with that being said, it's smooth. Like, you don't really feel it. No. And it's literally, there's the fastest bow out there besides one other bow that we carry. Right. And when you told me it was a speedboat when I picked it up, because you said that as I was picking <clears> it up, you know, I picked it up. And the first thing I said was like, oh, man, I like the riser. I like the grip because yeah. I'm a sucker for that just like bare right. riser feel. And it has that. And then you were like, you know, this is a speedboat. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, man, this thing's going to be a bear to pull back, yeah. you know. It's but, not. No. And the thing was, is like, what I like about the Hoy is that, you get a little load as you go, but it's never overbearing. Yeah. You just get into that back wall nice and smooth. This one, I don't know if you felt the same way, Wilson, but like as I'm pulling back, it felt like it never got any heavier than it did at the beginning. So it was just like one constant right. kind of pull. Like once you, you know, and this isn't technical, but like once your kind of shoulder and back muscles kind of settled into like pulling it back, you didn't have to change the effort right. all the way until you got into the back yeah. wall. Well, you'll see a lot of guys when they draw, they're, they want to start off with good draw form and they have their elbow up and then as soon as they get to that heavy part you'll see their elbow drop back down oh yeah to get that last yeah. little bit which i tend to do quite a bit it this one didn't seem like yeah you had to put any, any extra force into that draw yeah right. and it's just it's super quiet super dead in your hand i mean it's just, it's a great feeling bow yeah. what did you think about it when you when you shot it no i liked it a lot going yeah. back to an aluminum riser heavier bow immediately i want to shoot it really far like, I want to yeah. go outside and shoot uh, it at 120 yards. We only yards have one it. right now, so we're yeah. waiting for more to come in. <laughs> yeah, because so, yeah. that's what we, we would get a bow, and we'd shoot it inside, and we'd get it tuned, and then we're like, all right, let's go shoot it to see, because it feels like it would be super stable mm -hmm. shooting out at far distances, which I like. That's why I'm like my Hoyt, is I took it to the range and shot, and I think I shot four eights at 90 yards, which I've never done ever. Right. And I mean, I'm shooting a big, huge target. Right. But it was so stable out at far distances without a big, without a stabilizer on it, with that, with anything. Yeah. Right. And so the other thing I like about that bow is that it it shot, you know, and again I'll give my rankings here in a minute, but like it shot with everything that we that we shot in better than a lot of them, and it comes in at a price point that someone can get into like a top yeah. line flagship I mean, bow. Yeah, you know, the price point yeah. to me you can't beat that. I mean, it's you're like, ten forty nine out the door. Yeah. So I mean. All your aluminums are 
now another two to three hundred dollars more than that yeah right. um so i mean for a, you know in today's world a friendly price point i mean it is a heck of a bow yeah, yeah. and i heard some guys talking about like well now i gotta always get a bow that has the picatinny rails and all that stuff well there's i don't know of any company now that is only switching to picatinny mounts nobody you, nobody is no. because that's only a select few bows yeah and so that is a terrible reason to not buy a bow. Yeah. And I looked that guy in the eyes and I was like, you better take that back. So I don't, <laughs> this is a bad, I'm going to fight you. It's a bad reason <laughs> to not buy a bow. You guys might not even notice, but on the Darton, he did cut out a dovetail on the back of the riser. Oh here. yeah. I didn't so see that. Now you can run an integrated QAD. Okay. So Darton just came out with their own branded integrated QAD to go on here. So that is dovetailed out. So if a guy did want to run an integrated rest on here, they can. Okay. Um, so yeah, they put a lot of technology into this bow. Yeah, great shooting bow. Um, I think we have one more. Oh yeah, but how could we forget Matthews since we all have shot Matthews for as often as we have. Um, <laughs> we shot the Matthews Phase 4 29-inch, or I'm sorry, yeah, 29-inch axle-to-axle yep. on that one. Um, and the way I kind of, I think... It, the first thing I mentioned was it feels like a Matthews. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you're a Matthews person, like through and through, you and, love you've, it. and you've yeah. loved the Matthews that you've shot for the past six, seven years, whatever it is, you're going to like this one too. You yeah. know, it's like the draw cycle feels the same. You get that normal, quiet, you mm -hmm. know, Matthews. You get that normal, dead in hand, doesn't go anywhere. You do get the Matthews weight a little bit, right? It's always yeah. just a little bit of a, of a heady, uh, heavier bow. Like I said, I shot Matthews for years and, and loved them. Now, the one thing I will say that was surprising to me because I haven't shot my person because I still have my old Matthews, um, uh, the VXR 28, I think is what I have. And I hadn't shot that since this uh, fall when I set it up just as a backup bow in case something happened with my Hoyt. Um, and so it was, it did take me a little bit by surprise, like how pronounced the dump into the, to the back wall is Yeah, just because I got so used to how smooth that Hoyt is. And it's not that it's necessarily a good or a bad thing. Again, it's all, it's all preference. Like that's one of those right. things I would probably overlook because of how dead in hand it is. Cause that's the thing yeah. that I prioritize. But if someone really doesn't, if they struggle with getting back and staying on, on target, you know, through their draw cycle, that might be a bow. They might, you know, they might want to consider some shooting, some other things just to kind of try them out. But overall awesome shooting bow. Matthews rarely ever makes something that doesn't shoot well. So. No, I and mean, it feels solid. Like, I yeah. feel like you can, you can beat it up. It Dude, can I bounce could, around in your I truck. Could, like, yeah, I could it is such a solid thing. built yeah. bow. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, AJ? It's a great bow. I mean, it's interesting as a shop owner seeing different customers coming in that aren't biased mm -hmm. shoot the different bows. Um, some guys gravitate right towards a Matthews. Other guys gravitate right towards a Hoyt or could mm -hmm. be the Elite or the Darden. Mm -hmm. um, We've seen probably about a 50-50 split between Matthews and Hoyt. Mm -hmm. Um and one customer will say how smooth one is versus the other one. Then 30 minutes later, another customer comes in and he's saying the polar opposite. Right. So, you know, it's just a different feel from all these different bows. Right. And for some guys, a little light bulb goes off above their head, like, ding, yeah. that's the one. This is, this yeah. feels good to me. Yeah. You know, so you can't really predict it. Everybody puts out a good bow now. Yeah. There are no bad bows. Uh, it's just, just bad shooters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so much 
has to do with just personal preference. Yeah. What feels better in your hand, the grip, the balance of the bow, the draw cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is personal preference. Yeah. I think for me, you know, again, like they all shot well. They all felt pretty balanced. I mean, some were a little bit more, you know, top heavy or whatever. And that's to be expected because they're all, you know, different. But there wasn't anything that was like dramatic to no. me. You know what I yeah. mean? They all felt, they all felt good. Like, a, like we talked about a little bit, like the different deadness in hand. Yeah. Like you could tell a little bit of that. Um, the draw cycle, the back wall. All that was one thing that I did notice though too is like all the back walls felt good. Yeah, they're very they, similar. They, like they were all everything this year seems very similar and like not super squishy. Yeah, because that like, was the one thing I've always struggled with with primes was just like how I always felt like their back wall was super squishy, right. and I just always felt like I could keep drawing if I really wanted to. You know what I mean? Which I was the opposite with primes. Really? Yeah, you get my back wall, and I feel like I could just pull point, all like, the way it's through. The point yeah. AJ you know? was just making. Yeah. <laughs> Two which guys is, that shot the same exact bows yeah. and thought the two different things about the back wall. It's personal preference. Which, if you're getting a new bow, and I've said it, I'll say it, and I say it all the time, like, and that's why I like AJ's shop, is you come and shoot all of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, give them some cash first. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> for the archery tech, you got to set up each bow, but right. come and shoot every bow and feel which one feels the best for you. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you're brand loyal, like, Try to leave it at home. Right. And yeah. just come with an open mind. To if say, you truly want to get the bow that's like the right one for you at that at that moment that's of that year or yeah. whatever, it's like 100%. You know, because I've, I've been stubborn in the past where it's like I just wanted to shoot a Matthews because that was what I was comfortable with or whatever. Right. And it wasn't until last year when you put that Hoyt in my hand. Yeah. It was like, here, try this. You know, yeah. and I was like, in my, in my mind, when you were handing it to me, I was like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> funny watching guys take a shot with a particular bow and... They just sort of stare at the bow after the shot. I did. I, did. I, I was bewildered. I was like, what? Are like, you kidding me? It's a carbon fiber bow with no hand shock? Like, get out of here. But so as far as how I ranked these, and I'm going to remove the RX-7 because that's the one that I currently shoot. So right. that's that one's, you know, is my number one. It's the one that I shot this year. Um, it It's still, it's it's the same bow for the most part, and it shoots awesome, and I love that bow. Um, but so we'll take that one out of the running. So the one that I actually liked the best outside of that, outside of the Hoyt carbon was actually the Hoyt VTM mm-hmm. and not a surprise though, because it, the draw felt cycle felt the same to me. It was super dead in hand. It was all the things that I liked and it just felt very similar to the bow. That yeah. I shot. It's very familiar to what you're yeah, shooting yeah. already. Surprising though. Much, I shouldn't say surprisingly much to my personal surprise. My second favorite bow was the dart and prelude mm-hmm. like that one to me was just a straight shooter and actually felt very similar to to both of the hoyts right like even though it was a speed bow like i felt like i got a lot of the same qualities i look forward to i like the way you said it wilson like it checked all a lot of the same boxes yeah it just may not have been to the same magnitude maybe as the rx7 right. but like all the same boxes were getting were getting checked right. that was my that was my second favorite. And you get more speed to shoot you your 700 speed. grain arrows. You shoot. I don't shoot 700 <laughs> grain arrows anymore. I still shoot semi-heavy arrows, but I also have like Tyrannosaurus Rex arms and a short draw length. So there's also that. 45% FOC. Right. Yeah, it's all, it's a hundred. I just got fletchies. In the yeah. He's got a three inch cut. Yeah. Um, my next favorite. So my number three bow would have been the Matthews uh, phase four. Um, Cause I'm just familiar with Matthews and it's, it felt like a Matthews, right. you know, it's like, it's super dead. Again, yep. I prioritized dead in hand and that thing was super dead in yep. hand. Um, and then the number four bow would have been the, uh, elite era. I did like the, uh, 
the carbon fiber bow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought it felt good. I thought it shot well. There was just a little bit of hand shock stuff that, you know, that would make me choose some of the other bows ahead of it. And then the elite Omnia was the final one. And it's not to say that it didn't shoot well. Right. It was just compared to like what I personally like with all the different bows. Yeah. That's where it kind of, that's right. where it kind of ranked. But so that's my, uh, top, top five. What, so you've shot all of them, mm-hmm. right? You know, how do you feel about like, you know, where do you kind of rank them? And I know it's hard for you to rank cause like you're looking through the lens of like what people are looking for, you know what I mean? But from like a shop <laughs> standpoint, like how do you feel? about well maybe about my rankings are they somewhat accurate i'd say they're very accurate yeah yeah okay 100 percent. nice so that i think is the uh the show for today anything to add wilson anything we missed how long is your well this is totally random but how long have you been open now uh we're going on six years okay six years nice yeah party this summer anniversary party Yeah, yeah we should we should we should party it up i'm ready now yeah Nice. Well, uh, I appreciate you letting me come in here today on, you know, a morning yeah. here right after Christmas. Always. Messing around with all the bows. Appreciate Wilson flying in specifically for this. Yeah, this <laughs> is the only reason I came <laughs> you out. You know, <laughs> no, it wasn't to see his family or anything. It was, it was to come do this. And I uh, appreciate all you guys listening out there. If you haven't yet, if you're local, head out to Bob and AJ's uh, archery shop. Shoot some bows. Come out and talk deer hunting with them. It's just a, a great place to kind of hang out and be around a bunch of, bunch of dudes that live, eat, and breathe archery. If you're not local... I will make sure to put the link to the website in the uh, podcast show notes. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there too. I'd be super appreciative if you do those few things for me. Before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to the partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Spartan Forge, Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.